Hello, and welcome to some Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk to you about some more Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. <laughs> what is uh, this? Is this five, one, two, three, four, six? This is their sixth episode yeah. about the MCU. Though I really enjoyed this retrospective. I kind of thought it was going to be a slog, to be honest, when we were first started. I was like, ah, oh, boy. But uh, it has been very interesting. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited to talk about this set of movies. Yeah, no, it's interesting too because even even the movies that aren't so great, I still found entertaining, right? Like the the only one I truly hate is Iron Man three, um, but <laughs> even even that one isn't so like bad that like if I was forced to watch it, I'd scream or something, right? Like it's just kind of yeah, like... it, is, it is interesting. Some of these I find hard to watch, so there are definitely some in my category, my like Iron Man three category, maybe my bottom like four. Where they just like really piss me off in a way, but for the most part, you know, like these movies are at the very least pretty watchable, and they all have moments that I'm like, that's cool. That's a cool moment. Yeah, no, that's 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 definitely true. But today we're discussing what is it? Homecoming, Ragnarok, and Black Panther, right? Correct. And I, I so we we briefly talked about this last time about like why Phase Three is all all screwed up, or maybe we did this off stream. But I, I think the the real answer is is because of Spider Man. Because Spider-Man isn't technically a, a true MCU movie, or it is an MCU yeah. movie. So but Spider-Man it... is a Sony movie, but Marvel shares the production, and he's in the the MCU or whatever. So these are like considered MCU movies, but I think Phase 3 was supposed to have six movies. It was supposed to go Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, you know, whatever, uh, Infinity War. But then, like, it, it all kind of got jumbled um, also, especially as, like, the MCU got more successful, they did add in... I think there is one extra in the Phase 3. Oh, Captain Marvel is what I'm, is what I'm now remembering. Captain Marvel comes before Infinity War. Also, so also Infinity is, War splits, right? Like, I don't think it was always yeah. it was always going to be two, so... Um, that, that's part of it, but, but, like, definitely... That's definitely why um, Far From Home is on, you know, after, uh, you know, the, the end of... Or Endgame, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, Homecoming and uh, Far From Home are also not on Disney Plus, which is uh, which made this slightly more difficult to do. But uh, yeah. you know, uh, you know, this is, these are the things we do for you: is, is rent movies on streaming services. <laughs> okay, um, so Spider Man Homecoming, give me your give me your give me your thoughts. What, where's what's the what's the uh, manga consensus on this one? Uh, I'm gonna say it was uh, fine and fun, but not particularly exceptional. Is probably the way I'd put it. Um. I don't know. I it really, I really just kind of was like, eh, that was nice when it when it happened. I thought I thought it did some uh, kind of like it, it, it felt almost in the we talk about how like uh, Aquaman kind of like doesn't do a lot that's adventurous. I felt kind of that way about the Spider Man. Like the most adventurous thing it does, it doesn't have the origin story. Um, yeah, so. it's pretty rote. I guess yeah. I would say I I am pretty negative on this movie to be honest. I almost feel like a guy like you know like. You know the people who really hate The Last Jedi, or even don't really hate The Last yeah. Jedi, but they're like, it's not Star Wars. It doesn't feel like Star Wars. You've made this argument. Yes, times. yes. I got really hit with that feeling, but for Spider-Man. This movie does not feel like a Spider-Man movie. And so even plot-wise, you know, like, whatever. I mean, see, even that, I, I do have some problems along sort of those lines. But, like, you know, and the action is pretty fine. There's, there's some good stuff, some bad stuff in here, which is sort of a lot of these Marvel movies. Most of them have, like, a couple good scenes, a couple bad scenes or whatever. Um, 
even the general sort of like hook and like the tension and all that stuff uh the vulture stuff like all that stuff works pretty well but there's just this missing core of it which i just don't it just feels inauthentic to me it is like this is a character that is not spider-man or maybe maybe a good example of this would be people who don't like bvs because batman kills people right where it's like you know, it is something that assaults kind of the core of what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man, such that it becomes tougher to watch, I guess, is sort of where I come down uh, on this. And I think, really, it's wrapped up in this Tony Stark shit, um, where, like, I don't know, man, it just feels very weird to be in a movie where Spider-Man's goal revolves around this hero worship of Tony Stark and the Avengers. That is never that is just it's so weird and i really hate it and it just does not feel like peter parker it doesn't feel like spider-man it especially doesn't feel like teenage spider-man right like there have been instances where spider-man has been in the avengers but one they're kind of happenstance where like he joins up with the avengers and he kind of like makes friends and they call him right so this is like brian michael bendis's new avengers run from the the sort of late 2000s is sort of along these sorts of lines um and spider-man is an adult he's married right you know he is he has like a full-time job or whatever it just feels there's so much cognitive dissonance towards that and him being a kid and really wanting to join the avengers and all this stuff i don't know it just really bothers me doesn't spider-man though like in kind of his original incarnation start out a lot younger like doesn't he age with the series yeah 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 so he does um and he wants to be a part of the fantastic four which is a thing but i also think the fantastic four is a little bit different than kind of the, the avengers in this context first of all it was the 60s and nobody was doing any of this civil war kind of like serious superhero business crap they're fighting like you know the rainbow man or whatever right like very basic kind of supervillain uh superhero stuff um and uh and then the other incarnation which i'm intimately aware of right like ultimate spider-man which i like i own a bunch of the comics spine over over there somewhere um it was the first thing that got me into comics in the first place right reading issues of ultimate spider-man in ultimate spider-man he has a relationship with nick fury which i actually called out in our far from home review which as was kind of like a cool throwback um but his relationship with nick fury is very like strained in a way because um of sort of like the geopolitics of it all right like he just wants to be the friendly neighborhood spider-man and it's nick fury who is pushing him and saying listen kid you're a superhero and you're gonna have to grow up someday sort of thing um and so there is and so like that stuff feels very natural to me but when they're they're sort of flipping it in the movie in the movie tony is like no stay a kid and spider-man is like i want to be an avenger it just feels so off to the to kind of like the spider-man that i that i know and enjoy um such that it is weirdly inauthentic also i really don't love his relationship with tony in the movie because it feels like it kind of feels like <clears throat> it's built on trying to create another uncle ben after he has learned the uncle ben lesson right like the uncle ben lesson is with great power comes great responsibility right and it seems like Tony is trying to teach Spider-Man that exact same lesson over again, which just feels very, you know, by the time he is Spider-Man, he has learned that lesson and he is already doing, you know, like, and he's already like doing the thing. And so now where he's kind of going out and it feels like he's, he's kind of 
auditioning and there's this ambition to it it's just not a it's not a superhero thing right he's like he's like trying to impress someone else and he's trying for like the job interview which i just sort of i don't know i just hate that stuff so that's my i really don't like spider-man homecoming <laughs> yeah no, I, I think i think i'm with you for part of that i also think that like um the message of the movie is kind of muddled um, in a lot of ways, I, I honestly, if I'm being cynical about it, I wonder if they knew they were going to kill Tony at the end of Endgame, and like this was just a way to like give it more emotional like punch. Um, yeah. Uh, was the other part? And so, so something that I, I think like this is a little bit more surface, but in terms of, like not like Spider-Man, um, this Spider-Man doesn't seem as quippy, if that makes sense. As like he like he they're playing him up as an awkward nerd, which I think also kind of fits into his milieu, but like. He, he doesn't, like, he doesn't become, like, super, like, he, he tries, but he doesn't come across as, as kind of as quippy when he's a, when he's Spider-Man. I don't know. At least that's the yeah, way part I of what makes, the, the, and it's a very specific kind of quippy. It feels like they are kind of leaning too into the typical Marvel quips. When I think Spider-Man has a very specific brand, if, you know, like, yeah. if, if you want to say, of quip. Where, which is that he is, like, he is in these kind of life-threatening situations so he kind of has a motor mouth thing about it but like i just feel like it 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 never got to that point you know what's funny the amazing spider-man movies which are terrible do this really well where he's just kind of like constantly like making jokes and like kind of throwing stuff out but you can kind of tell that it's um it's like nervous right like it's like mm. a nervous tick almost that he's like constantly constantly talking and making jokes and 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 Feeling uh, silence and whatnot, yeah, 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 ex yeah exactly, right. <clears throat> um, so I also feel like that was a little bit, that was a little bit weird and off. I also did not love the way that he was portrayed with the the, the school kids. Um, if, if I this is something that, and I haven't seen Far From Home since it came out, so this might be wrong, but this is something that I think it nails in the second movie, but is kind of like out of focus. Like it's there, but it's not ever really the focus and so it never quite clicks or works it for me um which is like the the tension between peter wants to be a normal kid who's doing normal kid things but his spider-man responsibilities keep pulling him away right and this is part of where the movie breaks down for me right like the the spider-man responsibilities are about doing the right thing even when it's hard right so you have these situations where they're, they're almost like Shakespearean, right? Where Peter wants to go to the dance, but he has to respond to some sort of like urgent, you know, like life altering sort of threat. But because Peter's motivation in this is about impressing Tony Stark and joining the Avengers, it just always, always feels um, self-centered and sort of self-serving. And so it's never that tension between I'm trying to do the right thing, but all of my friends, are, but I keep letting all my friends down because I'm such a huge fucking flake, right? Where I keep like leaving. And it's there in the movie where it kind of like alludes to Peter going on this, on the, like the trip and bailing on the decathlon, but he, but they win the decathlon anyway. He doesn't really pay that consequence. He still gets to go to homecoming with Liz. So he doesn't really, like there are no consequences to him sort of blowing off his friends all the time. But like, it is actually sort of there if I were to describe the events of it, right? Like he disappears from the Washington Monument, or sorry, he disappears from the trip, but then Spider-Man shows up at the Washington Monument to save them. But that's like pretty close to Peter leaves from the Washington Monument to like abandon his friends 
or whatever and so that he could show up and save their lives as spider-man but it's all kind of like weirdly plotted and convoluted and backwards so it just like never connects in the way that i in the way that i want it to um but i remember from far from home right like that's when it really connects because you really do feel that peter is like trying to get away but he is also kind of compelled um to you know help uh, stop Mysterio or whatever. So it is that real tension between doing the right thing, being being a good person, being a hero, right, and living the normal life that he that he wants to live real bad. Yeah, well, I mean, they, 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 that, that is, like, kind of the arc of this movie, right, is he moves into that mode of, like... Yeah, yeah. yeah, of, yeah. I, guess I, I guess I feel like by the time he's Spider-Man, he should already be in that mode. It's sort of, like, my, my like, yeah. complaint. I mean... And in a weird way, they're, like... I don't know. Yeah. 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 Okay. It, it, it might have been better if, like, they made this, like, an origin story movie because it feels like, like, they, what they, the audience wants you to take it away is that, like, he is becoming Spider-Man, right? Like, you know, like, yeah. he learns to fight without – he wasn't when he was just a suit, right? Like, and, you know, that's – like, I think that's, like, what, what the arc of the movie wants to tell you. Um, maybe they could have done it better with some, like, better visual language, right? Like, have, like, the original Tony Stark suit not be, like, red – you know, just, like, look slightly off, right? So that, like, you know – when he gets it back and he's like, ah, oh, and here's an update and he colors it right or something, right? Like, you know, so something like that I think I think could... could I like... also think there's a couple of other pieces. That, I, I have a lot of nitpicky problems with this movie that I don't think are huge, but then just, like, piss me off. For instance, I kind of am on the Vulture side, to be completely honest with you. The Vulture is maybe... And this is kind of... I've talked before about how Thanos being a sympathetic villain is actually really bad. And I don't like it. It's kind of like the apotheosis of this trend towards like mega sympathy in our like in our villains, right? You know, we sort of got away from the Joker in the Dark Knight, who just wants to see the world burn, right? And we're now in this world where like everybody has to be sort of like all very noble, but they just like went too far or whatever. Like I really find it weird, and maybe this is just like a twenty twenty politics thing. Like the Vulture just seems like a very hardworking guy who gets who has like a lot of responsibilities on his shoulders that, that is getting like kind of legitimately fucked over by tony and then the whole plot of the movie is like setting up this sort of doomsday scenario where he gets like tony where he like steals tony's shit but like tony is like this like super mega billionaire i don't know like <laughs> well feels, i mean well, that for, feels weird to me first like, of all i i would be remiss if i didn't point out that he gets screwed over by the government who shuts down his, uh, his salvage <laughs> okay. operation i mean okay fine sure yeah the, the crony capitalism <laughs> of tony start controlling damage control which is a department yeah. of the government or whatever yeah else, yeah, yeah. but but you know this and is like <laughs> But but like so his 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 real sin isn't isn't that he wanted to do good things it's that he sold weapons to like criminals right like yeah and the thing is is that they show really only kind of like one instance of that going like kind of weirdly like horrifically wrong mm. there's that point where they blast the bodega in the in the very very beginning but it's like I I never really felt like the criminals were like a real threat in a way um, right. Because even because I think the other thing is supposed to be the the Staten Island ferry, but that is played off as Peter's fault, right? Like the narrative says it is Peter's fault that this that this all went wrong or whatever. Um, so it's just like I, it has a very like I have a weird interaction with how the how like the villain comes across. Also, they're all just like very likable guys. Um, you know, Michael Keaton is 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 kind of this like dad figure. The tinkerer, Phineas Mason, uh, who's like the the guy that builds the shit. Like he's just like funny and great, um, and it's not like I 
I don't know. I just like I don't know. I, I just have a yep. weird relationship. No, I and you know they, they keep him around too, right? They don't kill him off, right? Like he's mm. you know, and they keep him sympathetic at the end, right? Like he doesn't sell out Peter, right? Like and you know, and I honestly I remember the first time around not seeing the twist coming, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was like which I thought was well done and, and well played. I thought that was like probably the most interesting part of the movie, right? It's like Peter's yeah personal life cl- crashing in that way, but uh, yeah, no, I like. I don't know. I, I, I definitely get your point, though, right? Like, And also, this is, um, in, in that way, kind of like the most, because it's not a Marvel movie, right? They don't kill off their villain, maybe, right? Like, you know, like, the only <laughs> other villain that sticks around is, like, Loki, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I really love the Vulture, to be honest. I yeah. think the Vulture suit is really cool. I like the upgrade to the high-altitude suit. I think all the gadgets that he's using are just, like, insane. Oh, this is another thing. This is another nitpicky thing that, that bugs me. I fucking hate this tech- techno suit. Spider-Man should have web shooters. That is it. He has web shooters, and he has his baseline powers. Sticking to walls. Mildly super strong. Not really super strong. The spider sense, right? I... I, this this techno shit drives me up a wall, right? Like the taser webs, the ricochet, the he's talking to the fucking AI. Oh, all of this stuff drives me nuts. I hate it. That is another piece of like the, this feels inauthentically Spider-Man mm. to me. You know, like Spider-Man, if you want to do the cool gadget hero, like this is Batman territory, right? Batman is a cool gadget hero. Iron Man is a cool gadget hero. Spider-Man is not. Spider-Man is a, you know, or or Spider-Man kind of lives in this, like, do-it-yourself world, right? Like, right. one of the nice things about Peter is that he's, like, legitimately a really smart, really clever guy. And he has, like, a lot of these, um, uh, and he has a lot of these skills that then can kind of get in a MacGyver sort of way, right? Like, get turned around. So it's always fun watching... It's or I guess reading. I guess I'm referencing comics here. Like you're 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 reading Spider-Man where he comes up with kind of like an ingenious at-home solution to a problem, right? So for instance, you know maybe he builds a tracker out of like stuff he goes and buys at Home Depot, and this like furthers into the oh, am I going to spend my measly paycheck on MJ taking MJ on a date, or am I going to spend my measly paycheck on getting the shit together so that I can track this bad guy and then he puts the little tracker on the bad guy but it's like a shitty tracker and it like breaks or you know what i mean like yeah. this that's very core spider-man and so all of this like tech bullshit oh it always really makes me mad because that, it's just like no it, it's interesting because I, I don't know this is a little tangential but like you know there's one of the things i think we've talked about is like the the best villains or like a lot of villains are just kind of like an aspect of the character reflected through the mirror darkly right um and I think about Shocker, who I'm not a super big fan of this version of Shocker, just because he's like not a version of Shocker, really. He's like a guy with an electrical fist. But part of that character story, I believe, is that um, his name's Herman something, right? Um, he builds the gloves, right? Which is kind yeah. of like, you know, the same type of thing, right? Like Spider-Man through the mirror darkly. But uh, it's funny because he also doesn't build the gloves in this one. So like... Like Spider-Man, you know, like the text. I see really like, the Shocker is a great hero, or I'm sorry, a great villain, and I really like him because he's kind of a punching bag for Spider-Man. But one of the things that makes the Shocker great in the comics is that he's kind of everyone's, like, go-to, right? If you need to have action, so, like, every comic book should have action, right? Every issue or whatever should have action. Um, if you need to have some action take place, you just kind of have a couple of pages where the Shocker is out of jail and he's stealing something. You know what I mean? Right. And Spider-Man shows up 
blocks him in the face and puts him in like the police van or whatever and he's almost kind of a comic relief in that way right uh but the the thing that i love about the shocker in that instance is it kind of represents this sort of um like the futile nature of what spider-man is doing in the comics this is a legal thing where they say that because spider-man is the one that blocked him you know like he goes to jail for a couple of months but he always like his trials are like mistrials or whatever else you know like he always gets out on some legal technicality like sometimes it's assisted by you know like kingpin or like organized crime figures or whatever else sort of thing um but he just he gets out of jail all the time he, he has a very easy time like breaking out of jail um and so it is sort of neat that he is he is in this for like 10 fucking seconds uh to to have what well i guess so there's two there's the one who dies immediately yeah mm, they have that van chase which i think kind of sucks but then there's then it goes to the second guy and i actually like that fight scene with the buses uh like this is one of the action scenes that works really well in the movie uh where he's like punching the buses and the bus hits spider-man or whatever that stuff works great you know i, I think i agree with that i would just speaking more to kind of like that yeah oh yeah yeah i, yeah, I got away from the point there but yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with you yeah. <laughs> yeah. i in fact in, in a weird way it kind of feels like vulture is more of a, a like a dark reflection of tony stark in a way right like yeah he is like the working man version of tony and he's kind of created this sort of like villain avengers out of this tech shit um which also i think is part of what feels like misplaced um like I don't know, somebody pointed out to me, I think I saw a tweet once where it was like, isn't it weird that the 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 climactic point of Spider-Man Homecoming is that Spider-Man stops the Vulture from stealing Iron Man's shit? And, yeah, I don't know, that that just like, in those basic details, I don't know, it, it doesn't, it, it just doesn't work for me. So, uh, at, at the end of the day, Spider-Man Homecoming, I rate pretty, pretty low. Um, though the vulture being good and some other stuff that I like in there, uh, kind of kicks it above some of the other movies that I would say are worse. Yeah, no, I, I mean, for me, it's, it's kind of competent. Um, this is like, um, uh, like another movie we'll discuss later. Um, a movie that is good enough, but because Marvel has a lot of movies that I like, it ends up in the bottom half. Um, so, you know. Fair enough. Uh, okay. So then we get to Thor Ragnarok, which I have to say I'm incredibly conflicted about, um, because, so I have in my notes, like, this is where Marvel action feels like it's really on the money, right? Um, a lot of the time I describe the action as good in spots, but like bad in other spots. Like the, the only version that's kind of like good end to end is Winter Soldier. It feels like before this, um, like even Ultron, which is still at the top of my list, right? Uh, Ultron has good fight scenes like the one with hulk and iron man and the hulkbuster armor like that stuff works great with the unpowered heroes in busan seoul in korea somewhere mm. um with the unpowered heroes in korea i think that whole fight scene works really great but it has other ones like i don't like the the beginning one uh i think mostly because the camera work is not great and i also don't love that the way the sokovia one at the end we talked about all this stuff a couple of episodes ago um i feel like a lot of marvel movies work like that on an action level where i just kind of like some of them are good some of them are shitty no, none of them really kind of like hit it out of the park thor ragnarok actually does kind of really hit it out of the park every single action scene in thor ragnarok is good and satisfying mostly because the cinematography is much better um and also partially because um i think it leans into kind of the cgi stuff more it feels like the more 
sort of like out there CGI stuff tends to get filmed a little bit slower and a little bit better um, compared to the you know the like the the more frantic in in person stuff in a way um, and so there's just like a lot of a lot of angles to the to the fights that are pulled back and locked off like very very clear which is sort of what I like about which sort which is like what I want to see in these fight scenes right like the death of any of these fight scenes is when somebody goes to throw a punch and then they cut to another angle of the punch being hit and that happens all the time in Marvel movies right yeah. except for here it feels like anytime somebody gets hit you watch you watch the punch get thrown you watch him connect, and you watch the the other dude go, you know, whatever, flying, right? Uh, which is all very, which is all very satisfying. Also, all the all of the action scenes were pretty well set up. They they didn't have that kind of um, like Guardians of the Galaxy sort of has this, uh, where you know in the prison break scene, it's kind of setting up this um, God, what are those things called? Rube Goldberg machine, right? Most of these action scenes is just like there's Hulk, there's Thor, they beat the. They beat the fuck out of each other, yeah. right? There, there aren't a lot of like complex or or um, really plotty fight scenes in those sorts of ways. Uh, but I also think that that just kind of works. It was very satisfying to watch Thor just like buzz people on this bridge, which I think I criticized the first time we reviewed this movie. I thought that that was boring, but this time it just really worked for me. Uh, so yeah, but I also uh, I'm also. The reason I said I'm conflicted on this movie is this is the worst Marvel humor. I think that this is Marvel humor at its worst, where it is constantly, constantly undercutting the drama and the stakes, and I just have a really hard time getting invested on that level. Yeah, I, I think I agree, definitely agree with you on that. Like that the the Marvel humor like is 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 a real problem in this. I also think that part of that is is um, trying to kind of like give Thor like a person, like not Thor the character, but like Thor the movies a personality. Um, uh, because I just kind of don't have one uh, at, at, up until this point. It was kind of generic feeling. Um, I think it's a, a great addition for uh, like uh, this movie feels like it, it it gets like it gets a lot from Taiki Watiti um, and uh, as a director, not not as the Rockman. Although I do love Cork, um, but uh, like I think part of that is him is like I, th- I feel like that jokiness feels kind of like him at least from the other stuff I've seen from him, which is like and it's not like it's usually not that. Bad is the way. Bad's over the top, but maybe maybe trying to kind of like set it apart from other Marvel movies, which have a bunch of it. He he pushed it harder, or maybe that's just kind of a natural result of the process. But um, I I really like the movie. Um, it is towards the top for me. Um, mostly because like I I, I think I agree with you generally. I also think that like um, Asgard looks really good. I, I think the, I think the visuals kind of just work really really well. Um, in yeah. a way that we don't. Like, I think the Guardians movies sort of started this trend, but yeah. it kind of is really... And I, I, I think maybe I would say Guardians 2 is better. Maybe. It's really neck and neck for me with these two. But, like, the, these are the, the movies that really get out of that those grades I was complaining mm-hmm. about with Civil War. Right? We're just like... I mean, to be honest with you, so, to be fair, Thor Ragnarok actually does have a lot of these grades, and it does piss me off. Um, the... I, I'm borrowing all of this for Patrick Williams, by the way. The way they shoot Asgard, especially kind of in the beginning, is exactly this. It's super bright lighting, very, very, like, gray all over, right? 
um, which I hate, I and I think looks very bad. And Thor two actually does this right. If you if you notice in Thor two, they're always shooting with this like backlight on the back of their heads, which creates this rim of light for like a halo effect, right? Which actually looks really great because you know Asgard is this kind of like other realm, sort of heavenly or whatever else, which act, which like makes it look cool and unique and like visually unique. In here, Asgard is the most visually dull place, and it's actually Sakaar that's kind of like bursting with color and sort of life which i think partially I, I don't feel like people really remember the end of this movie so much as they remember the beginning and it, and it sort of falls into that like fun and games thing that we talked about before where like the marvel movies are at their best when they're doing the fun and game stuff in the middle and then when they kind of have to buckle down and go serious at the end they sort of suck i think this falls into that a little bit um also i don't love hella uh and i think she's not great um which kind of contributes to this problem, uh, which is which is a different thing. That's like built out of the, she's sort of off doing her own thing while like Thor and friends are having fun. So every time it cuts to her, it just feels like what the fuck are we doing? Over, you know, like what the fuck are we doing over here? And so she doesn't have the kind of deep interaction with the hero that I would have liked to see. The Vulture does this, right? Where he's yeah, constantly yeah. running into Peter and they're talking and they're and they're going back and forth and they're changing and evolving because of those interactions, right? Thor meets Hela in the beginning, right? In basically the end of the first act and then fights Hela at the end of the third act. And it's just like, there's all, all of the, the stuff in the middle has basically nothing to do with her. Which I think is weird and not great, but yeah. you know. Whatever. I mean, so I I don't I don't I, I agree with you that that's what happens. I don't know how how like mad I am about it, right? Like it's a way to tell a story. I I think it makes for not a great villain, but I don't sure. think it means that it's a bad story. If that makes sense. Um, I do like her interactions with Thor quite a lot. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, you know, it's funny because. I don't think that you need a ton of interaction to... You know, like, Man of Steel is like this, right? Zod shows up in the middle of... In the dead middle of the movie. He basically... He's there in the beginning, when Kal-El is a fucking baby, obviously. And then he shows up in the middle after all this other stuff has happened. Um, but I think he's a great villain because of the... You know, like, the interactions that he has, even though he only has half a movie to be a villain in. Um, so, it's not like you need a ton of time. But it's just... I don't know. There's something weird about that. the way that... The Sakaar stuff just feels so, so removed from Hela and what she's up to and what she's doing um, that creates, like, the the disconnect, I guess, for me. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, so I, I definitely agree with you there, but, I like, I think that's kind of, like, the Sakaar stuff is fun, but I don't quite understand what the point is. Is it just, like, is it, like, supposed to be an arc for Hulk? Um, like, is this, like, a secret Hulk movie? Is, is that the point? Um, cause like, I, I guess like they try and play it like it's like Thor remembering that he's the God of thunder, but like, that doesn't feel like it's a well enough established point for it to like, like when it's like, when he like remembers how to do lightning stuff or like, you know, figures out how to do lightning stuff without the hammer. It's like, wait, that was like a problem in the, like, I, it didn't seem like it was properly like, yeah, it telegraphed. Was, like, a crisis of confidence, I guess. But it's sort of, like, not a great character arc, especially because the movie is so... The movie has this sort of Bugs Bunny problem, right? Where Thor is so funny that it's hard for me... Like, this is the core Marvel movie, like, the Marvel humor problem, where, like, it's so funny and sort of, like, always poking fun that, like, when things do get sort of tough and serious, it's hard for me to take it seriously, Right? Like, 
Thor having this moment in the Colosseum where he's getting his butt whooped, and then he sort of summons the thunder to to really you know punch Hulk as hard as he can in his in his stupid fucking face or whatever. Like I don't know, that just like doesn't. It just, like, doesn't work for me on a character level. There's cool stuff that happens. I like the interactions with Loki. I like the thing where he kind of reads Loki's future betrayal. Um, I like the stuff with Hulk. I like how he has to sort of get Hulk um, on his side and, like, the interactions that they have between him and Hulk and him and Banner where he's just trying to, like, keep this guy stable in a really stressful environment. Like, all of that stuff sort of on a second-to-second level works, but I don't think on a longer plot thread really uh really tracks oh also all the odin stuff right the odin stuff is in the end of the movie treated like it is this moment of great thematic and character import right where you know when he's in the coliseum when he has this crisis of confidence he sees odin before he summons the thunder or whatever and the same thing happens when he's fighting Celia and summons and summons the thunder but that stuff was all played for laughs with this doctor strange you know, like, back and forth, and he goes to Loki, and Loki's like, I swear I dropped him off in this old folks' home, or whatever. And it's just like, I don't, it, it, you can't, you can't set this thing up as a joke in the first half, and then tell me that it's actually a serious part of his character in the second half, if that makes sense. I don't know if I agree with you on that one. I, I, I think, I think, like, like yeah, the, the nursing home thing is played for laugh, but it's not a huge laugh, right? Like, it's, it's kind of like, it's at Loki's expense, and, like, his relationship with, like, they're both the brothers' relationship with their father is like a consistent theme across the the, the three movies, and I do think that the the moment on the uh, on the cliffside on the fjord on the, you know like the, on the fjord yeah yeah I think that works really well like they they like make sure to cut it off like you know anytime anything like that's true that approaches that happens it's like when Hela shows up which is like well divorced from like when their interaction with uh, with with Odin so I guess it's sort of the whiplash then because because you're right actually in that moment. Dead straight, played dead straight. But because it's surrounded by all of this haha funny business, right? It kind of takes on this osmosis of a ha funny business, right? Like the scenes getting up to that moment are so Looney Tunes that when we're in that moment and it's trying to tell me that we're watching, you know, Citizen Kane, I, it, it's hard for me to disassociate because they're next to each other in that way. You know okay, what I, mean? I, I see what you're saying, right? Because like directly before this is when. Loki, like, says I've been falling for half an hour, right? Like, which is yeah, definitely... Yeah, and, and, like, all of that stuff with Doctor Strange, it's just all bits, right? Yeah, yeah. It's all comedy. Um, even, I, I don't know. So, that's... <sighs> yeah. I do... Uh, the, the, it's weird. I'm actually coming out more negative on this movie than I intended because I... You know, this... I, I feel like this is kind of the top of my middle, right? In a way. You know, if I have a, if I have a top caliber of movies, a middle caliber of movies, a bottom caliber of movies, Thor Ragnarok is probably the top of the middle, and it's and it really loses out because of this stuff. But there is, but I want to say that there's a lot that I like in this movie. But really, we've just kind of been complaining, and I really agree with a lot of these complaints, which almost makes me want to like rate it lower than I have it, <laughs> no, I, I, especially because this stuff is core core character story stuff, right? So I, I mean, I I think. I don't know. I don't know if I, if, if I, like, so I'm going to say, like I said, I, I have no problem separating out the seriousness of the Odin stuff um, from the other stuff. I also don't, like, it is fun for, like, I think it's meant to be more of a romp with, like, ser- like you know, it's it's like, a, I don't know, like, like, like it almost feels like an 80s comedy, right? Where it's like, you know, it's jokey jokes and then, like, it gets very serious for a moment. Or like the Ocean's movies, actually. Yeah, yeah. That. No, that's yeah. that's a great that's a great, great way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no real character arcs or anything there. It's yeah. just a kind of about 
the fun romp. I do think that that's kind of what it uh, wants to be in a way. But there is just like this like hanging character stuff that that kind of gets on my nerves and bothers me a little bit. I do like like uh, I, I, go on. Sorry. I do like the interaction of that like little team though, right? Where he says, "Yeah, I'm getting together a team," and he puts together like the Hulk and Loki and uh, Valkyrie, right? And they're sort of, you know, like, all of that stuff I think actually does work pretty well. In the same way that kind of, like, the prison break in Guardians works really well. Yeah. Just sort of on, like, a scene-to-scene sequence level. Yeah, I think part of it is supposed to be, like, you know, the arc of, like, what Asgard is. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think think a big problem with that, too, though, is that, like, they, I think it ends pretty great, but then we find out like immediately that it's like all like you know it, like the rug gets cut out from under yeah. that immediately in the next. Whoa! Movie. Does yeah. Infinity War change the landscape of this movie? Yeah, and I think I think this will probably reflect worse on Infinity War when we when we see that than it does on Thor Ragnarok. I think at the end of the day, I am on Thor Ragnarok's side too much to like. But yeah, that is it is funny that post credit scene. Um, because we know where Infinity War happens and how and how kind of like thoroughly. I also really like Thor losing his eye. I forgot how I forgot how much I like that detail and how well it plays in the moment. Um, like even if kind of this wider Thor character arc stuff is not great, Thor and his dad having that sort of relationship is um, is something that feels like truly and fundamentally authentically Thor, right? Um, like for instance, that Thor run that I keep referencing every time we talk about Thor. Um, that has a whole thing where Thor takes on kind of Odin's powers and responsibilities and, uh, and he's bringing gods back to life because it's after Ragnarok, right? Where Thor still lives. Um, but he needs to sort of like awaken the other like gods for a new, for like a brand new cycle after they have, you know, gone to the other side of Ragnarok or whatever. And he's faced with the choice of awakening his dad and Odin is, and Odin is caught in this eternal cycle of killing Surtur every day he and Surtur kill one another and then overnight they regenerate and they do so again. And so Thor is like, I could bring you back to life. You could come to Midgard, hang out with me and like the other Asgardians. And Odin is like, no, that's your responsibility now. You have the Odin power. I have to, you know, be locked in this eternal, you know, conflict or whatever with Surtur. And so like all of that stuff with him and his dad and him kind of becoming his dad felt very good. And I like that. And I forgot how much it works in the, um, in the moment of um, his his fight and his kind of confrontation with Helia in the Asgardian throne room. Yeah, I'm I'm also I don't know, something that I thought was a nice touch. The other side, this is like Loki characterization, right? Is that like when Loki sets up the play that glorifies him, he doesn't really like the the only part he kind of emits is like the part where he snuck away, right? Like he's very honest about like, you know, the fact that he's like kind of, you know, and you know, a a dick and like he puts in the part was like, I didn't do it for you. Right. Which, you know, feels, I don't know. I think that's like a, like a, a great kind of moment. I I really like, like Loki doesn't get a lot of time to shine in this movie, but I I do like him here. Um, So, yeah. I also, I also like him here. Um, I also like Jeff Goldblum a lot. I, mm. This is the fun. This is the fun romp shit. All of that fun romp shit is fun and rompy, and you know, like uh, just, just like I feel like Jeff Goldblum showed up, and and Taika Waititi was just like, "You do you. I don't care. Whatever else is going on, you do you." And well, did, that, you know? That's kind of the point, right? Like you, you, you got Jeff Goldblum to be like the most Jeff Goldblum <laughs> as as he could be, right? Like you know. Like especially that like <laughs> that like 
initial post credit scene, which is, you know, like, yeah, and, you know, well, I played my part. You have to have someone to rebel against and we'll call it a tie. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I also thought it was funny how two moments back-to-back in Spider-Man Homecoming, there was the moment where the the vulture melts the first shocker, and with, like, the gun, he's like, oh, I think that, I thought that was the anti-gravity gun. That moment did not work for me. I was like, mm-hmm. you just killed a dude, and you're playing it off with a fucking joke, like, and, it, like, it just was very weird to me. And that exact same thing happens in this one, but I, like, laughed my ass off when he, like, melts the other guy with with the melting stick, and then the melting stick comes back. He's like, no, why are you giving me the melting <laughs> stick? It's just, like, I, I, I don't know. I thought that bit was funny, and I was funny because it was also in the movie, you know, immediately previous to this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, like I yeah. said, Thor Ragnarok kind of lives in like the top of my middle, mostly dragged down by this comedy stuff, but also, if I'm really being honest with myself, uh, some of these like overarching story problems. Uh, oh, we also didn't really talk about the theme- thematic stuff, but I actually like that stuff quite a bit, right? Like Helia talking about, right, like the conquest that made Asgard Asgard and her kind of like embodying Asgard sort right. of like uh, since I think that stuff is cool and, and works really well and is uh, and is like really neat. So, um, yeah. But really what I love about this movie, I think, is all the action is good. Like, that's that Thor-Hulk fight scene is great. That's, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. probably the best fight scene in the movie, and it's really fucking sweet. But also, you know, Helia, like, mowing down all these dudes by, like, throwing the, the daggers. That's just, It's just sweet. It's just cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll absolutely agree with you. Although the final fight scene does have, like, the worst Marvel humor moment, which is, like, Bruce slamming into the... Oh, the my Bruce. God. Oh, I hate it so much. Oh, that, that, I winced because I had forgotten that moment and it happened. And oh, because it's one of those things where that happens all the time in the comics where you push Banner into the. And it happens in the movies, right? It happens in Ultron where she pushes him into the big hole and then the Hulk jumps out. It happens in, uh, in The Incredible Hulk where he falls out of the helicopter. You can play that moment, but the moment doesn't work if you show. He's like twitching corpse on the bridge. I was, oh, that that bothered me a lot. Yeah, I think that might be the, the the worst one in the MCU, like the worst single moment of it. Um, I would agree with that. Well, I I would agree with that for now. That yeah. it's so bad. It is mm. woof. It is bad. All right. Well. Now it's on to uh, Black Panther then, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Black Panther. I fucking love this movie. I remember loving this movie when it came out, and I said it was my favorite Marvel movie. Uh, and boy, oh boy, is it good. Is it great. The big things that I forgot how good about, that were good about Black Panther, one, the music is amazing. And it's only, it was one of the only Marvel movies I feel like I can really say that about. Um, even Thor Ragnarok, which I think has okay music but it bothers me i really hate the immigrant song in that in which i know everybody's gonna be like buddy that's crazy the immigrant song is so cool and that's what makes the movie fun i fucking hate the immigrant song and i will die on that hill uh but the um but all of the music in black panther is so good uh and i remember you know so brian kugler brought ludwig Gorenson, who's actually the composer on community like he was doing tv shows he did community and he did new girl um with him to do to do black panther and he really kind of went like above and beyond uh to making stuff just sound just sound so good like how killmonger's theme 
is kind of like this hip hop 808s thing uh, with like a drum machine, right? Like the 808 is a famous drum machine, uh, but also sort of mixed with the flute that like is part of his African roots. While T'Challa's theme is all African instrumentation because he is, you know, like he is from Wakanda and he doesn't have that interaction with American culture that that Killmonger does. I also just I, I, I don't know. I just think that it has a different sort of sound palette that doesn't fall into... Like, some of these movies just kind of die out in my ears because I'm so used to hearing this stuff, right? When when it's scored very straightforward and uninterestingly, I guess, um, like Thor 1 and Thor 2 or whatever uh, are probably good examples of this. You know, uh, that stuff, I just don't hear it at a certain point, you know, because I'm just so used to hearing these sorts of sounds. But because so much of the music was built with just an entirely different musical palette, it I was constantly on, I was like, oh, this is, this is something like new and that I'm, and that I'm hearing in a new way. Uh, and I was just like always thinking about it. I don't know why the music was the first thing I went to. Uh, what, what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm basically kind of like, it's, it's fine, right? Like I, Feel like I like I feel almost exactly about this is the way I do about Homecoming, um, in a lot of ways. Um, I think I think I agree with you on the sound stuff, although I tend to not pay attention to that stuff as much. It just doesn't occur to me. Um, I think uh, T'Challa is like like the kind of arc he goes through is like I mean it's, it's kind of like the 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 opening up stuff, but like as a character, it really doesn't I think like run through right. Like there's like. Like, kind of the, the traditional framing of this is, like, you lose... The hero loses in the second act because of, like, something he has done wrong. And that's not true here, right? Like, he is kind of, like, really? straight out... Well, he just straight out loses to Killmonger. And not because of any flaw with T'Challa, right? Like, like Killmonger just, like, straight up beats him in a fair fight. Um, and, you know, that's fine. Oh, interesting. See, I would actually disagree with that. For, so, from my perspective... This is one of the things I actually really like about Black Panther... Most Marvel movies are uh, have this arc of self selfishness to selflessness, right? This is the Tony Stark arc right. of I'm doing something selfish, but I learn to kind of be. Doctor Strange does this is maybe like the archetypal one in sort of like the modern late late era MCU movies, where you know he starts off as this kind of selfish prick, but as he approaches this these like hurdles he realizes that he needs to kind of give up himself to be that's what heroism is right um and i've talked before how i that that can be a little bit boring for me and i want to see it in other places like so for instance in man of steel the arc is never superman is always a hero in that movie right but the question is does he trust humanity right and and what his interaction with humanity kind of like looks like because one of his dads says that he's going to be an inspiration to these people and the other one of his dads says that he needs to kind of like hide himself or whatever so his arc is about the you know the relationship he has with the people of earth t'challa's arc is similar in that it is not as he is fundamentally self selfless right he is a hero and he wants to do heroic things but his his arc is about kind of progressivism versus tradition right and um, and the, and the the moment where he loses to Killmonger is a thematic and character moment of where he realizes that his father was wrong, right, and that this grave mistake kind of got made, um, and he now bears the brunt of it. He now like sort of bears the responsibility for like 
his father's mistakes and uh, as the like as the leader of Rwanda. So it is about like that kind of responsibility stuff, which I love. I eat this shit up. This is what this is the core theming behind Aquaman that makes me love Aquaman comics, and it's right here, and I love it, and I, so, I love every minute of it. But I do I do see what you mean because it's not an agency thing. He himself didn't really do anything wrong, right? All he did is sort of trust his dad and think of him his dad as being you know like a good king when really he made this really monumental kind of terrible mistake right sure so yeah. it's less personal and it's not like his fault in a way yeah which which is kind of like i would prefer it to have been less personal than him losing one on one combat right cuz like like oh, the, sure. the the framing there i think to me wants to be that like you know like it's it would be his fault then right like it, you i think you can do it on like a a larger a, a different kind of scale Right, like, Aquaman does that, right? Aquaman loses to Orm in one-on-one -on -one yeah. combat because he of his overconfidence, right? And right. Because he's, he doesn't care and he's not invested in the, you know, in sort of the liberation of Atlantis and in the and in stopping Orm's plan. And so he goes in and he gets his his ass kicked and he has to be saved by Mira. I think that moment works much better in that movie um, than in than in this one, even though it, yeah. they are they are similar right in in sort of like construction they are totally different because of the underlying kind of like character pieces that are moving yeah um i mean the, the other part of this movie that, that bothers me is is some of the the marvel humor right like the the water like and it's not even marvel humor oh, right? yeah, the like the, what, what are those things still makes me cringe every time i hate it <laughs> i hate it so much I um, did, you know, I did also cringe, but I kind of like sympathetically cringed with you. I sort of saw it through your mm. eyes in a way yeah. where I was like, "Oh right, this is that moment that Mango fucking hates." <laughs> yeah, I just I'm like not a fan. I'm not a fan of kind of like me. I'm not a fan of things that like place place. Uh, it's not even place things in like it's like it's like if Spider Man had made a somebody. I think you said this last time we recorded on, on Black Panther. It's like if Spider-Man made a It's Wednesday, My Dudes joke. Yeah. Because part of that joke is he's wearing a Spider-Man costume, right? And that joke is from... Somebody laid this out on Twitter once. That joke is from 2013. So technically in the MCU lore, Spider-Man saw that vine three years later, made a suit, and named himself Spider-Man after it. Right. And like, you know, or whatever. So it's like, if you reference that joke, it's weird. I get that. I definitely do. Yeah. Because um, it, it, it puts us too kind of close to one another, especially because like, you know, this is a world where dudes have prosthetic arms that are shooting concussive blasts that destroy cars, right? This is a world where magic and gods and all this stuff exists. It's just very weird to be like, oh, and also, if you go on Twitter, there's dank ass memes. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that, yeah, and it also implies that, like, you know, that she's on Twitter looking at dank ass memes, right? Like, which, which I get. It's also but, a very outdated meme. Yeah, it's you know two years outdated at that point, four years outdated, outdated now. I, I, uh, I think that's the problem, right? Like, is there like things that can like I, I'm trying to think of like what differentiates, right? Because you can do like pop culture references that aren't going to instantly date themselves. But, like, I think it's kind of tough to do with, like, modern stuff because you don't know what's going to instantly update. So, like, memes are, like, really hard, are going to be, like, you know, really hard to, to yeah, ever like, How do you feel about, last. like, the Footloose Cheers shit from Guardians 2? Like, the unspoken thing that, that Star-Lord is talking about? That is also a similar pop culture reference, but it's referencing pop culture from the 80s. Yeah. Because, I, I guess, Star-Lord, you know, was a kid then. But uh, So, I, I think the key there is that because it was strong enough, like, like... It didn't date itself because it, like, is borrowing for something that, like, 
already proved it could stand the test of time, right? Like, mm-hmm. I guess, okay. theoretically, we could have lived in a world where in 2030, like, what are those is a classic, like, cultural touchstone. Um, but we don't live in that universe. Um, yeah, I also just feel like it is not the... There are memes that I do think would stand the test of time, yeah. right? That have been around since the, the kind of creation of the internet that I... You know, like, you could say, and they would be quotable, and it would be funny, and it'll be funny 20 years from now, and we'll think of them in the same way that we think of cheers or whatever uh i don't think what are those is going to be that mean yeah <laughs> like that one that one died out in a couple of months right um, yeah i think it might have been just... dead before the movie came out but you know maybe may... i also think it was probably dead before the movie came out ultimately i do i, I guess i kind of agree with you it's so minor though that i just yeah, like, no, no. don't really care that much yeah no I, I i i kind of agree i i think i've like i don't know no, you're right. It's a relatively minor point, but it's a, it's a thing that annoyed me. I just also like, like because T'Challa, like T'Challa feels like kind of like it's weird. It doesn't feel like it's it's so much about him. Is it about maybe it's about Wakanda, which makes sense, but like. He's you know he's dead for part of the movie, right? Like, um, well, I think it is about his decisions, right? Yeah, um, and I and I appreciate that you know. That core of, like, do we stay locked off? Do we open ourselves up? That being the the kind of thrust of his change, um, even if he is not... Like, he is not changing as a character, in a way. Um, he is just sort of changing his, his sort of, like, mindset and his perspective on an issue. That, I don't know, that stuff works yeah. fine for me. Even the fight itself, like, falls... It, it's a bit of narrative sleight of hand, which I think technically makes it weaker, which is like kind of what we talked about. But ultimately, I think it works in the context of the movie, right? Technically, T'Challa did not make a decision that is weird or poor or anything along those sorts of like lines in the way that you would expect a hero to make a decision and then be punished for it. But it falls in that place and in that way that it kind of like... It kind of looks like he did, in a way. So it, it skates for me. And um, even though I would technically agree that, like, it, it it is a... It's not a real moment of hubris. It's not a real moment of arrogance. It's not a moment where he's really planting his flag. This is another thing that I thought was a little weird. Um, I remembered those scenes in an opposite order. But obviously they couldn't have been. Because he... He has to talk to Zuri and learn the truth before he accepts Killmonger's challenge or whatever. But in my head, the way I remembered it is he is standing up for his dad. And he's like, you are not going to slander my father. And I'm going to beat you in this challenge because, you know, because of whatever. And then he loses the fight and goes and he talks to his dad. And his dad's like, fucking, I actually left this kid. And it's a huge source of pain and regret and i killed my own brother and all this other sort sort of shit and then t'challa goes oh no i backed the wrong horse right like that's his moment of hubris right but it doesn't happen that way he talks to zuri zuri tells him the whole thing and then he accepts the challenge and it's like maybe then it's like a it's like a confidence thing maybe he shouldn't have accepted the challenge but he felt a duty to but he's so shaken by all of this but none of that is on scene i like i like i said I think it's I think it's kind of sleight of hand the way that the way that yeah. that works. It's funny how much Aquaman has ruined this movie actually uh, for me because also I remember really loving that final fight with the fucking rhinos and like the the buzzard flies and the thing with I like I thought all of that stuff was so cool and I was so into it and I was so into how it, all of it works and now it just looks so 
small and like insignificant compared to like the Brian King and the and the Kraken, right? Yeah. Like this kaiju moment. And even just the anime showdown of um Orm and, uh, and Aquaman, where he breaks Orm's staff and does the anime pose. And it's like super over the top. But that stuff just plays so much better in that movie and it's kind of functionally the same sort of beats that it sort of ruined the end of this movie for me. <laughs> like I just it feels like a couple of kids playing in a backyard in comparison to this gigantic battle at the bottom of the ocean and you know in the other movie i think i agree with you i also think i don't i feel like i don't quite i don't think that they, they sell the stakes super well of that fight mm. um and i think that's a, that's a real problem right yeah i think the thing with war dogs is not great like i get it kind of intellectually but not in my gut whereas like you know in my gut i understand that sokovia being lifted up and plopped as a meteor to destroy the like that is a real fundamental threat i intellectually understand the threat of arming w the war dogs with these vibranium weapons or whatever but like i don't feel the it, like it doesn't actually kind of like feel real uh like honestly i'm much more engaged in the personal stakes of what's going on right of okoye and the rhino guy kind of having this falling out because he's loyal to killmonger for killing claw and she obviously thinks killmonger is you know, a piece of shit. Like, their interaction is just so much more kind of, um, like, heated. Or, like, N Nakia and Shuri versus um, uh, versus Killmonger. I think all that stuff is just... Yeah, so... so It's just way more interesting. There's way more going on. I, I would agree with you there. I So, something something that, that bothered me, too, and, and maybe this is a little nitpicky, but, like, Okoye um, uh, kind of defecting, like... Like... The, the like as I'm watching, I'm like, but you know, Killmonger, um, you know, breaks Claw out of the prison, and like they know this, right? Like, like, like it, this is like a it's, it's this is like a a known thing that like you theoretically can solve with words, right? That like you know, like no, he just did that to like he didn't kill Claw because he was like doing it to for for like you know. To actually do it, he was doing it to, to, as like a political ploy, essentially, right? Like, um, and it feels like it feels like the fact that it doesn't even get like lip service somewhere that that uh, it just it just felt kind of plot holeish to me, right? Like, I don't know. I, I guess I get that, but that doesn't really bother me. I also think Okoye doesn't have as complete information as we do, right? Like, we obviously see Killmonger from the beginning. We understand his relationship with Claw, um, but um, sure. And but also, isn't he wearing the mask too? But he's got the ring, right? Like they they figure yeah, they they the figure ring. out who yeah, he is. So they yeah, they yeah. know. Who he is. Yeah, I don't know. I, I always felt like that was just pretty straightforward, lawful, neutral kind of like neutral good people fighting. I actually really like the the interaction that she has with with Nakia, where it's like a real moment of pain for her. She has a real tough time yeah. with this thing. No, I, I think um, that works well. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so yeah, I, there's a there's a lot of that stuff in this movie, and it is effortless. Like there's just like so much going on, um, and I was really surprised. Like the stuff with um, Mbaku, who is also like like great, and there's like a lot of drama with him. There's drama with the Rhino guy, whose name I don't remember. Maybe we get it, maybe we don't. Um, there there's all this stuff with like Zuri, right? Like the, so many movies just do way less with their time than, than this stuff. Um, I also think that Black Panther has a lot of really good action, except for that final final fight of them on the trains. I think that that sucks. Though I love, I forgot about this moment. I love the Phantom Menace moment of they're on the other either side of the train mm -hmm. and their like suits are like going like whatever. 
Um, but just th them actually fighting is just tremendously boring and shitty. But all the other action is really good. That like the stuff with you know Okoya throws the spear and it like stops the car is great. The whole thing there's like a one shot inside of the casino that's also super great. Um, I like watching Killmonger fight people who don't have the exact same power set as him. Uh, with you know the um, uh, like Shuri has her little blaster guns um and and nakia has those things that she's like throwing and they're bouncing or whatever like i think all that stuff w works really well and and i enjoy it it's just that final fight boy it is so boring watching them just like punch each other i guess it's may it's it's pretty merciful mercifully short but then also killmonger is just the greatest like villain of all time like he's just so effortlessly like cool and evil and fun and just mm. Mm -mm -mm. I could watch him every day of the week. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I don't know if I agree with you on that, but really, ah man, I love Michael B. Jordan. He is just a well, joy. In that I, I think he does. He puts forth a good performance, but I don't know if like I I like him that much. Like I like his like he he, he doesn't like I don't know. I, I I didn't I didn't think his 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 villainy was was, was that particularly great. And I think part of this is is you know like I was talking about before because he like. T'Challa doesn't lose because of a flaw. He doesn't succeed because of a flaw. It feels just kind of like, you know, you know, in the game of two out of three, T'Challa wins on two because he puts the killing blow in, right? Like, you know, like it's like it, it feel it doesn't feel like either of them is is better than the other, right? It just, it just kind of feels like this this fight happened to go T'Challa's way. Right? Like the thing that the where he step where he manages to, to to get Michael or to, to get to get Killmonger isn't because T'Challa has learned a lesson, right? It's because he happened to win this time. I do think it's because T'Challa has learned a lesson. T'Challa has realized like this this flaw in in true, um, and that and that is why he makes the change at the end, right? Like he changes towards progressivism and moves away. Right, from right but that's not that's not what gets him to kill, or that's what get, that's not what lets him beat Killmonger one on one, right? Like that's just kind of like, like I feel I feel like it, it's I, I I see I see your point in the in that the the river fight right. Where like ultimately T'Challa kind of isn't really like in in the in the overall scope of the narrative he is fighting for something, but in the personal moment he is actually not fighting for something. That's the sleight of hand that I'm talking about. But in the end, I think it's very clear that T'Challa's sort of wishy-washy nature has gone away. He is resolute. He's convicted, and that's the reason he wins. I, I, I see. I don't like. I don't buy. I don't see anything particularly resolute about the way he fights that causes him to, to win that fight. Right? Like it's just like like you mean like in like the actual punches? Yeah. I guess. Right. Like there's there, like like in the like like when I okay. see these when I see these two one on one fights, I see two evenly matched pe people, and the fight could go either way, and it's just to serve the narrative that one goes one way and one goes the other, not because of anything about those characters that that, that dictates that they should go one way or the other. Okay, that's interesting. I guess I get that. Though I also don't know... I, wow, that's weird. I, I, the, the stuff at the end works for me just fine. In fact, it's funny because the middle fight is better. Like, I actually think that that fight has a lot of, like, tension and drama to it. And sure. obviously, you know, like, it's shot better and more interestingly. Um, and I also just think that... You know, you can really feel like kind of like Killmonger's like fury and rage, and also sort of T'Challa's indecisiveness. Um, but um, man, yeah, I guess I get that. Like, it's not that that, and, and this isn't necessarily like a problem. Like overall, with ever, like with, with with everything, right? Like, I think the movie still 
does fine with without it. But like in terms of like like es- essentially a lot of these one on one fights are trying to be like you know like the like good versus evil and kind of like a compartmentalized form is because good triumphs over evil that good wins right like this is like you know Luke throwing away his lightsaber and letting go of his hate right like um, T'Challa doesn't beat uh, like like the, the way you would do this is like you know have maybe Killmonger's rage cause him to like you know have the train hit him instead of something or or, or something like this is not a, this is not a great way to do it but like you know you have you have like something inherent about T'Challa's character be the reason why he succeeds over... Yeah, uh, okay, I get this. Because, as always, I'm going to relate this to movies that I talk about all the time. But, like, so Zod's heat vision in the train station killing these people is the thing that gets Superman to make the killing blow, right? And that is both an action, right, in the fight, he's making the killing blow, and it is thematically in character, like, is it is it derives naturally from kind of, like, the themes in the character, right? Like, it is the... And it's the pinnacle of both of those things. But really what you're saying is that the the end fight scene is kind of like a plot contrivance almost. Right? Yeah. Like, T'Challa just knows the trains work in this way, but it's not like the trains have anything... There's nothing kind of more complete com- complex there. I guess I actually do sort of... You've, you've kind of brought me around on that. I get, I get that. Like, he basically wins the fight. Like, he wins the fight, and he should win the fight, based on where his character arc is, but he does not win the fight because of where he is in that character arc. Yes. They just kind of happen to align. Which, yep. okay, that, I, I, I agree with that. That is not great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, like, again, it doesn't, it doesn't like, super seriously detract from the rest of the movie. Like I said, I think this movie yeah, is, yeah. is is fine. Um, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a flaw. Um, but, yeah. Um, that's, do you want to talk about anything else before we, uh, move to our weeks? No, I, I mean, I still love Black Panther, uh, obviously, because it is so close to, uh, I don't know, just like, it's so, it's, it's sort of like Thor 2 or whatever, where it's just like, it's dealing with stuff that I just love so fucking much. Man, I love this movie. Um, and also, I, I really appreciate how, how, like, narratively, like, slick it is, uh, with, by being very detailed and efficient with just all of this information, all in, and and drama um but yeah i guess anyway so where what, what are your what are your rankings look like right now all right so from the top um ant-man guardians of the galaxy dr strange guardians of the galaxy 2 this is where i put ragnarok next then captain america okay. the winter soldier iron man 1 avengers age of ultron avengers tied with thor 2 uh, captain america the first avenger civil war and then we get black panther and homecoming and then iron wow. man 2 thor 1 incredible hulk iron man 3 at the bottom. God damn. Yeah. That, that is actually pretty deep, I guess. But I, I you, you prepped me for this with for yeah. Homecoming and Black Panther. This, um, just to kind of put that in context, this is not like like I, I've said this before, but it's in the bottom half. But that's not because it's mm-hmm. bad, right? Like those two. It's because there's a lot of things I just like better in kind of the the, the MCU. Ken. Anyway, yours. Yeah, I get that. So my so of uh, Black Panther. Is in the number two slot. It falls right under Age of Ultron, but ultimately loses out to Age of Ultron, which I don't think I would have said earlier. Um, which is weird. I just what what keeps happening is I keep putting these movies. I'm like, is this better than this one? And I'm just like, you know, not better than Age of Ultron. I'm sorry, but so they keep getting in that number two slot. Um, so that's uh, and these are kind of my 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 top ones, right? My top five would be Avengers: Age of Ultron, Black Panther, Doctor Strange. Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, right? Like, these are the the truly great uh, Marvel movies. Then we kind of have the middle, 
um, where Thor is in sort of the number two slot of the middle, right under Captain America the Winter Soldier. So that's the Winter Soldier, Ragnarok, Iron Man 2, Guardians of the Galaxy 1, Thor 2. Right, these are sort of my middle, my middle kind of chunk of movies, and then I kind of have everything that I don't really love or doesn't work great, or is in sort of like the bottom sort of third, though it's a little bit more than a third. Uh, in which uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming is number three. So then it is Hulk, Thor, Homecoming, Iron Man three, Ant-Man, Iron Man, and then Civil War and the first Captain America in like the truly bottom of the bottom. Yeah. All so right. we only have a couple more of these to do, right? Yeah, I think we've got um, Captain Marvel, Infinity War, Ant Man and the Wasp should be next week, and then it's Endgame, and and then it's and Sp- far from the, the other Spider-Man far from movie. home. Are we? Uh, which, by the way, might actually put us close to Black Widow. Black Widow comes out that week, right? Oh, does it? I, I that's Christmas week. I thought, but what what comes out? When does Black Widow come out? Uh, I think Black Widow is doing a Christmas thing, right? That's Wonder Christmas. Woman, nineteen eighty four. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, Wonder Woman, I'm sorry. God, buddy, I, I, not, not all female superheroes <laughs> are the same. Because I know that Black Widow and Wonder Woman is, um, like, Black Widow is coming to Disney Plus um, on, I don't know, at, at some point. Uh, Man, didn't they, am I just crazy? Didn't they announce this? Uh, it says May seventh, twenty twenty one, on the uh, on the on the MCU page. To be followed by okay. Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which comes out on my birthday. Oh boy! Oh my god! Did you did you ever? I guess yeah. I guess I'm just completely thinking. I see a lot of speculation that Black Widow will be on Disney Plus, but you're right. I'm thinking of Wonder Woman, which is coming out on Christmas. HBO Max. Um, like a bunch of movies are coming out on HBO Max, like um, Dune. Um, which, yeah. It's a big deal, yeah. I guess, is what is what they're saying. Obviously, the biggest deal of all, the Snyder Cut is coming out on HBO Max. Oh boy, oh boy, I cannot wait. <laughs> does 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 uh, Steppenwolf with more angles on him make you happy? I I love it. I, so the funny thing is, is I am constantly at this this weird intersection of. Snyder Twitter, because I follow a bunch of people who are Snyder Twitter, and, like, anti-Snyder Twitter, because I also follow a bunch of people who just, like, constantly riff on Snyder stuff, and it is, it, it's like I'm, I'm living in an alternate reality, because Snyder Twitter is like, oh my god, Steppenwolf looks so fucking cool, this is the craziest thing, this is what we wanted the whole time, right? And then anti-Snyder Twitter is like, lol, look at this, this is so dumb, what an edgy edgelord for the stupid edgelord Justice League movie. And it's like these two, and I, I, I don't know how to reconcile it, but it is hilarious to me. I fucking love the new Steppenwolf. This is exactly what I asked for when we reviewed Justice League two years ago. I think Steppenwolf should be more alien and should not talk as much and should be, you know, like kind of that, this like force of nature, right? And that new design, which by the way, looks the shit when he, um, if you see the, the thing where he, it's like, there's like gifts of it where the, he's kind of smooth, but then all of the, the knives pop out. It looks sweet. I don't know what to tell you guys. I just, this movie is like made for me and me alone. And I'm willing to die on that hill, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't have a strong opinions either way. I just thought it was like, okay cool whatever right um but the uh like 
the the thing I did see, which I thought was kind of hilarious, is Sean Baby, who is a a, a old school like humor, video game humor humor writer, um, mm-hmm. tweeted out something to the effect of like, "I swear to God, this thing is just going to be like in black and white and just you know, Hallelujah, playing for an hour and a half, and that's all it's going to be." <laughs> oh. I you know I wouldn't be surprised. To be honest, a lot of this stuff I've I've heard some of this stuff before. Like so, for instance, um, people made fun of Aquaman's trident in in the Justice League movie because it, it's technically a quindent. It has five points mm-hmm. and, and not three. And like there were memes running around where it's like, oh well, if you're Zack Snyder, you put more points on a try. You got to be pointier, stabbier than the than the other trident or whatever. And I, and, you know, I guess that those memes are funny, but that's actually true. The 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 Aquaman trident from the comics had five points at that time. It was the, it was like so. It was just comics accurate. Um, and uh, and also so and so like I don't know. There's just like it's that kind of stuff that happens all the time where people just like. I don't know. I'm very used to Zack Snyder mm-hmm. dunks at this point. <laughs> it would be it would be very funny though if after the Stephen Wolf reveal they revealed the you know the uh, the the Snyder cut version of the Trident and it just had like 12 points on it. <laughs> I mean that's true. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So yeah. anyway, we're doing. How do we get on this shit? We're doing next week is Captain Marvel, Infinity War, and Ant Man and the Wasp. Ant Man and the Wasp. Jesus Christ! I can't, I keep forgetting that movie is real. Um, yeah, so, so I guess those are, those are the next three. And then I guess we'll finish up with Far From Home and and Endgame, both of which I have not seen since they have come out. Mm -hmm. I have watched a lot of these movies again, like a second time, even Ant-Man and the Wasp, though I still remember nothing from that movie. Uh, I have watched almost all of these movies two times, except for I've never watched Endgame and I've never watched Far From Home a second time, so. Who's interested? Yeah, yeah. Me, this guy. Um, um. So, how was week two of, uh. Uh, or week three or whatever. Of Shadowlands stuff. I am the second highest eye level on the server, apparently. Ooh. Because, so one of the, the the things that they changed is there's no war forging, there's no titan forging, there's no nothing like that, right? Like, when you get a piece of gear, it is that piece of gear. And it is at that eye level that you expect it. There, The only thing that could happen is you could get a gem slot, right? You could roll like a, like a, like a gem slot um, to make the item, like, a little bit better. You could also buy gem slots and put them on items sort of thing. But, you know, like, that's like... A later down the line sort of grindy a grindy sort of thing um so i've been doing what are called world tours um the best thing that that anyone can do in the first two weeks of shadowlands is mythic zero dungeons right there's no mythic plus there's no raid uh there's no rated pvp which would get you like higher eye level gear so the only thing that you can do is you can do these mythic level dungeons which have a weekly lockout last week i did a bunch of them though not all of them this week i have done seven out of the eight and I've just kind of gotten good drops, so I am mostly decked out in eye level like 184 gear, and so I'm going to be going into the raid tomorrow at eye level, you know, 183, trying to get the the two the the eye level 200 um, gear that drops off of you know the Castle Nathria, uh, the Castle Nathria bosses. To be honest, uh, it has mostly been like I don't want to say more of the same because when like progressing up in the the kind of like eye level ranks is its own um is sort of its own uh like grind or whatever but because there is like nothing really to do once you've maxed your like renown and done your dailies in the end game zone which is like the maw um i've been i've been spending a lot more time on alts here than i did in battle for azeroth right in battle for azeroth i probably played bairn 
for like two or three weeks just straight end over end right um because it just kind of felt like there was always more stuff to do more stuff to clear that would be useful for him uh whereas now kind of because they have dampened some of these like grindy systems right like there's no azurite there's no artifact power nothing nothing kind of along those lines it's pretty easy to knock that stuff out in a day and it has a weekly lockout so i guess you know what the the only other thing to do is to go pop on some ults so i did i leveled up tonric my my alliance warrior to um level 60 and i've been working on some other characters um getting really into pr pr uh, professions actually when it comes to like legendaries and unlocking legendaries and stuff like that and setting people up to do torgas i'm very excited to do torgas with multiple different characters because like now i i almost i i because i've done it a whole bunch for arms warrior i have a very good understanding of how the the anima powers work like what are the good powers what are the different sort of builds i could go oh i could go you know a cooldown builds where i'm like increasing the duration and lowering the cooldown of my builds or i could go a um uh i could go like uh like a core attack build where i just lower the cooldown of my best move and i just use it over and over and over and over again like that kind of stuff um so now i'm sort of interested to see what that looks like for other classes right so uh I can, I don't know, get get a, get a fuller picture mm. of what kind of, like, Torghast looks like. The, Torghast is fun, but it also sort of sucks, because when you come out of Torghast and you're just, like, so powerful, it's just like, fuck, I forgot. My stuff is on, like, real cooldowns, and I don't just, like, yeah. tear through everything uh, because I, like, made this super fucking OP, it's you like, know, build It's like whatever. restarting a, uh, a, what's it called, uh, a, a roguelite run, right? Like Yeah, you know. I mean, that is exactly what it is, right? It is absolutely, like, restarting a roguelite run. Um, the, 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 the other cool thing is that the different wings of Torghast are fundamentally different, right? So there's a lot of, um, when it comes to Torghast, you have certain wings that are, like, complex, uh, physical fights, right? Where, like, you're getting these little adds that when they, you kill them, they explode and they increase your physical damage taken by a whole lot. Like, those guys are, are sort of their own puzzle. But then in another wing, you'll have these guys who drop pools of bad when they die. So, like, you're kind of painting the room and you're trying to consolidate these pools so that you can still move and explore the tower without, you know, taking too much, uh, taking too much, like ambient damage or something kind of along those lines so we've only seen four of the six the next two wings are coming out next week um as well as the next couple of levels uh so i don't know we'll see what that looks like i guess tomorrow what have, what have, what have you been up to what have you been playing not not a lot honestly um because we recorded late last week um what i, I mostly so the big thing i did is i uh, is i built a new computer um, it doesn't have a new graphics card in it yet just because they're impossible to get. I'm actually yeah. kind of sad while we've been recording all like four of my stock in stock discord servers have pinged and you know I couldn't couldn't get a card because busy doing this <laughs> this is what I do for you people um, although I probably would have not gotten one anyway because I never managed to get one um, but um, no it's I've got I've I've got uh, I'll post a picture somewhere maybe I'll link to my Instagram where I'm planning on posting a picture of, of the build um, it's very pretty. It's got a lot of lights on it. I splurged on the RGB fans, and it's got like a big glass panel on the side. I'm very happy with the way it looks, um, you know. And uh, it's it's is that big. is that like you? How 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 big a, a factor is that for you? It's oh what the the prettiness, just like making it look good. Um, so it hasn't been historically, but the fact that I did it this time and it looks great makes me very happy. Um, mm. 
Uh, so maybe it'll be more of a fact in the future. Like my, my, my old machine is like a black box and it has like a window on the side, but it's like a tinted black window. So like you can like see like hints of color on it. Um, and you know, uh, you know, cable man, like cable management is this weird thing. Cause like I found out with this build, right? Like I, I got the cables like in a reasonable position, but it's all behind this divider. And so it means like the bulk of the case is just empty space to show off the fact that I have a computer, right? Like, um, like all the cables are like yeah. behind this panel. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 doing well so far. Um, couple of weird hiccups in that, like you know, just reinstalling everything. Right, I had to go get this, uh, you know, set all of this up so we could do this tonight. Um, but uh, yeah, so far so good. The the big the big improvement in this one is um, I've got a I got the uh, Ryzen three fifty nine hundred X. So I have like infinite cores, um, maybe less than you do at this point because you you got like the i ten right. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I think it's got like the Intel. Like 10 900 k or something. Just like yeah. a ridiculous amount, of course. Which, yeah, I, I have felt the benefits in gaming, but really the thing that I wanted it for was video editing. Because mm. I do a bunch of video editing for the job. And, like, so now I, it used to take me, like, an hour and a half to render certain videos. Everything, it feels like, takes 20 minutes. Like, I, four hours, 20 minutes. You know, a highly detailed trailer, 20 minutes. Like, <laughs> most things render at about that time, which feels like I'm just, I don't know, saving. And I also can do more stuff. I think part of it was that, like, rendering really locked down my whole computer. And I was sometimes failing renders, which I think were because, like, stuff was going on in the background. Um, and I, it was sort of just, like, interrupting the process or whatever. Now, if I'm rendering something, I could actually be, like, on Chrome right and like looking on twitter like obviously i probably like i wouldn't like run wow or anything kind of along those lines um but um the fact that the computer is like usable rather than it's like okay well nobody fucking touch this for the next hour and a half yeah like is pretty nice you might actually be able to do something like run wow just because like i think that's I, my understanding is that's kind of like the point of the multiple cores right like you know yeah. you they can like i i my hope, and hopefully one of our viewers can tell us at some point, is that the cores have helped with this streaming process, right? I used to have problems configuring um, uh, my old machine to, to stream without a lot of lag in it. And obviously mm -hmm. us doing webcams isn't the, isn't the hardest thing, but maybe maybe for my personal stuff in the future, I can stream something that won't be terrible. We'll see. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. Like, I had a hard, I had a lot harder time streaming um older game like like it, it's nice because the occupier games are pretty lightweight yeah. and that's all the streaming that i was doing but like if i was to stream overwatch right like mm. it would be impossible uh just because my processor was not strong enough to both play the game and stream it yeah yeah well uh yeah but unfortunately i i what i do i, I played a bunch of different D D over the weekend um, oh, nice. I haven't heard about it. What what is your what like what are your, what are your D and D games looking like? Did, I was not there for a Star Wars game yesterday. I did I not run it because a snowplow oh, okay. woke me up at three in the morning, and oh, I couldn't God. fall back asleep, and so I canceled it because I didn't think I was going to be in. Like it was it was this combination <laughs> of things, enough. and not only did that wake me up at three in the morning, but then I discovered that this machine, which you know I built, so the Ryzen processors are so new that the like motherboards. Don't work with them natively, so you have to do a flashback on them. And I discovered I didn't have a USB oh stick, God. so I got up at three in the morning. Was like, was like, well, if I'm not gonna fall asleep, I might as well like finish the computer, right? So I turn the computer on, and it's like not recognizing the. It's like giving me this weird error. I'm like, what the hell is happening here? I'm googling. It's like, uh, oh yeah, you have to do a flashback on the motherboard, and so it's like, oh, I don't have a USB stick, and it's like five in the morning. It's like Walmart opens at seven, so I was like, oh <laughs> God, shoot. So I like. 
go to Walmart at at at, uh, at seven, get my stuff, come home, like boot the computer up, Windows starts stalling. I'm like, great, and I like like collapse and fall asleep, and then like do rinse and repeat like that for like most of the day. It was uh, you know not the most fun, but yeah. fair enough. But, uh, yeah, I I also tried to. Uh... I've been having a weird time sleeping because last week I took the whole week off to play Shadowlands, right? And so, or I'm sorry, the week before last week I took the whole week off to play Shadowlands. And then last week I was just like impossible to get back on a, like a good sleep schedule. I just like kept staying up till four in the morning all the time. And then I would get up early and just be like dead tired. And I had a, and I had that presentation that I was talking about. Like I pitched this, or I didn't pitch this. I, I plugged this at the end of last week's podcast, which was at 9 a.m. in Pacific time. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, am I going to go to bed at 4 a.m. and get up, you know, four hours later to do uh to do this presentation and the answer is yes i am gonna do that but the good news is that the presentation went very well so i'm very happy with that um and uh you know <laughs> like it didn't i guess I, the, like just the adrenaline or whatever of it like worked so to to get me into it and through it and i just practiced that fucking thing so many so many times um that I don't know that it all worked out. The oh, so the other gaming thing to completely change gears now that I th thought about it is that uh, the Total War DLC came out, and I have been trying so hard to play it, which is a weird thing. I have an, an amazing number of hours. I have eight hundred hours in Total War. Right? You would think it would be so easy for me to oh the the new DLC, the new DLC that updates my favorite faction in the game, the Wood Elves. Right. All of these new features, all of this new stuff to do with the Wood Elves, to play with them. They have new units. They have completely redone the the, the, the campaign system in a really, like, unique and, and interesting way. And it's just like, I cannot, for the life of me, play this game. All I want to do is play World of Warcraft. And I'm done with World of Warcraft on Tuesday, right? Like, you know, and so I'm sitting here, like, 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 leveling a third alt whose whole job is to just run around and farm ore and like herbs like the least interesting the least important thing but i legitimately want to do that more than play one of my favorite games of all time releasing new content built specifically for me <laughs> which you know i don't know it's just like the world we live in i guess um the the neat thing about the wood elf update that i have found in the Two hours that I that I've played of it is uh, is that they have made a lot of changes to make Wood Elves playing tall feel better, um, which is cool because I think so. So in Mandalore, who did who did a, a a recent big big review, he talked about how something that strategy games have a tough time with is making playing tall interesting, right? Because if you're playing tall and you're not expanding, you are fighting the same enemies over and over again because your borders are are pretty static right and you're only going to fight the people who are next to you um and like the internal systems of your empire whatever that looks like have to be compelling enough that like you can't kind of redo the same loop over and over again of building a fresh colony right because if you're doing an expansionist sort of playthrough right you are constantly picking up new colonies and sort of running them through a set of decisions that that you can repeat a bunch of times, right? If you pick up 40 new planets, each one of those has to go through, well, now first you have the colony ship, then you upgrade to this, and then you're kind of like making these sorts of like branching choices. If you have five planets and you are committed to going as deep on those planets as possible, it can be very hard to like make that a, um, I guess, I don't know, just like a compelling set of 
strategy decisions and the way that they address this with the wood elves is they basically made um so the so the first problem is you are um you are constantly getting these little events these like little triggers that happen where it's just like oh a group of fucking dark elves showed up and they're doing bad stuff do you want to fight some dark elves do you want to do some diplomacy with dark elves do you want to do whatever so like you're kind of constantly cycling in new interesting like like factions to fight you're not just fighting well i'm next to bertonia so i'm gonna fight bertonia over and over and over again i'm next to the greenskins so i'm gonna fight the greenskins over and over and over again right um and then the other thing that they did is they took those nodes right like the big tall trees and they spread them out right it used to be you were all the only buildings you could really use were in athel Lorin. well now there are magical forests all over the world and you can teleport between them so you can go to the witchwood which is on the dark elf content you can go to the sacred pools which is on the lizardman content and and um and they can all be built very tall right and you only have to worry about a couple of like small zones or provinces or whatever um but it pretty radically changes your gameplay when you are um like interfacing with these different places all all across the map which is all that seems very cool and i would love to go really deep on it but i can't get more than 20 turns in because fuck my whole life i guess also i haven't checked out any of the new skaven stuff which i think looks great and very cool and i want to do more stuff with it uh but I, if I can't even crack the wood elves, man, what the fuck am I going to yeah. do? Escape yeah, no, I, I don't know if you saw, but Mandalore did a review of the expansion of the DLC. Apparently, they got it to him yeah, early. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah that, that was what I was referencing because he yeah. talks about that in yeah. that review where yeah. he says they have made you know playing tall as the wood elves a lot more interesting. Yeah, uh, which I do think is true because it used to be playing tall as the wood elves meant conquering half the world and then finding a military alliance, and that just sucked and was weird and not fun, even if the battles themselves were great. Yeah. Well, the, the, the big thing coming up this week is uh, Cyberpunk. It actually comes out on Wednesday for us. I don't know if you saw this. Um, oh, my God. So it's a, I mean, I don't have plans to pick up Cyberpunk the day of, but uh, I have also seen reviews where people said that it's fine, but not great, and everybody got real mad about it. <laughs> yeah, most, most, so I, I, I did this review. So the, the review embargo dropped, like, today at, like, noon my time, nine your time, I think. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it seemed like the consistent themes were, like, the game's cool. But it's very, very buggy, and uh, that's like enough to like knock some stuff off of it. And like, I've also heard that it's shorter than people gave it thought. Of yeah, but short is like numbers I saw anywhere from like fifteen to twenty-five hours is short, and that's if you just like mainline the main quest. Um, and there's like over a hundred hours of content if you want to do like ev everything. It, it, it feels like it's probably like Skyrim in that way. Like that's like at least my read on it. Um, okay, but we'll see. I'll be playing it on launch, so it's seven p.m. Eastern, four p.m. Pacific, so you're wasting this golden opportunity to to, to to play it forever. You can preload it yeah, right to now. Get one up on to get one up on everybody. Yeah, else. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this. See, the thing is, is that so tomorrow the raid, Mythic Plus, all that stuff opens up, which now will be the like. It'll just there. There will always be stuff to do. It'll feel like wow, right? Like you can always. I, my hope is that I can get Mythic Plus to that point where um, it will be like how we used to play League, where just like you log on. And there's a couple of people, and you go, hey, do you guys want to, like, queue for some M+. And we all go, like, yeah. Because, like, the group of people who are playing WoW is pretty big right now. And, uh, and like, we've been kind of creating all kinds of different sorts of, like, combinations or whatever. Um, but the best way to get high-end gear will be, like, the weekly chest thing. And that just requires doing a lot of WoW stuff. 
right? Um, so it'll just kind of feel like there's always something to, to do, even if you're just pugging, right? Um, right now, like, I couldn't pug because my I have these weekly lockouts, which are static. Um, but Mythic Plus doesn't have that problem. You know, anytime you do an N Plus dungeon, you will get a piece of loot. Or, I'm sorry, the party will get a piece of loot in that final chest, so. Awesome. Yeah. All right, well, we're kind of at the end of our time then. Um, yes, we are. Uh, so, uh, uh, do, you, do you have anything you want to promote uh, first? Uh, I have nothing to, to promote this week. Uh, things are pretty things are pretty simple for me uh, after that big, giant presentation. I'm trying to get back, you know, to, to actually thinking about other pieces of my job, right? Is, is there a VOD for that somewhere? Not that I know of yet, but they did say that it would be recorded. So, at a certain point, I'm sure I will get a link. All right, we'll post that then. Then, well, if you'd like to email us, tell us about anything you thought about the movies we talked about today, or any other things we talked about, email us at podcast@subdurbsplaygames.com or subdurbsplaygames at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitch.tv/subdurbsplaygames. You can watch these episodes live now. Um, uh, what else? Uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, give to us on Patreon if you're feeling especially generous. Um, follow us on social media. Links will be in the description. Uh, that's everything. I had, um, we already did the promotion stuff. I'll have to modify this. Uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.